you're looking at a you're looking at a man that should be dead or in prison because from the age of 11 my life was wild man wild at the age of 13 they sentenced me to adobe mountain juvenile institution and i remember the judge looking down from his bench and says i'm personally writing a letter to the department of corrections to keep you to the age of 18. and so i was only 13 and you know I, it didn't matter and so uh i tell you what people uh, be careful for people who have an attitude where they don't care because they're dangerous and i was very dangerous welcome to the free sermon podcast of the potter's house church in virginia beach affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, we want to welcome you back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. It is a good day to be saved. It's a good day to be alive. And it's a good day to be a podcast listener because we have a very special guest on the line with us, and it is Pastor TJ Horta coming from us all the way from Da Nang, Vietnam. Welcome to the show, sir, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Well, it's such a blessing uh, to be able to talk to you, first of all. And uh, for our listening audience, um, you should know that there was there was some spiritual and technical battles that were having to take place to get us to this point right now. But uh, we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. <laughs> and and uh, Pastor TJ and I, we've got a we've got a history, and uh, so I can remember when I was a, a disciple in the Chandler church, leading some outreach teams and coming over to a little pioneer church in Phoenix, Arizona, where there was this, uh, this wild little guy named TJ Horta <laughs> pa pastoring a church, uh, always had a great time. And uh, you, you were at a lot of our Chandler events. And so it was, it was a blessing to know you back then, but it's been like 20 years really since we've talked to each other. So how you doing? I'm doing well, brother, doing well. And like you said, uh, uh, we were in Phoenix and we connected through Chandler. Uh, being in Phoenix, we were able to go an hour and a half north to Prescott, everything Prescott, to the Tempe Bible Conference, all the Chandler events. And so uh, we really did connect while you were in Chandler and then you yeah. got sent out. Yeah, it was a blessing. So uh, God's been doing a few things in your life. So for the audience that doesn't know you and for the sake of me who haven't, haven't been able to catch up to you since since then. Why don't you tell us uh, where you are, how uh, how long you've been there, and what God has been doing? Right on. Uh, my name's T.J. Horta. My wife is Christina. We're out of the Globe Congregation, and uh, we've been here for a little over four years. And so we were sent out of Prescott Bible Conference into uh, the city of Ho Chi Minh, Ho Chi Minh City which is uh, the largest city in Vietnam. And we were down there for three and a half, over three and a half years. 
and uh, uh, I'm everyone's sick of hearing about COVID, but we went through 22 months of that COVID lockdown, and the lockdown in, in uh, Ho Chi Minh City was not like the lockdown in America. Uh, they had actual APCs, uh, armored patrol carriers uh, on the bridges. They had checkpoints. You cannot travel from point A to point B. Uh, it was really, really restricted. And so we spent months in our home and uh, it was really difficult to build a church. You can't build a church online. We were able to maintain the folks that we had and we kept them. Uh, but we didn't grow. We didn't build because we weren't out meeting people. We weren't out uh, interacting. We weren't congregating. We weren't meeting in the building. And so uh, they finally let up. We were able to go home for a Bible conference, talk with Pastor Greg, and uh, just needed direction. And he uh, said, well, let's uh, let's switch cities. Uh, what do you think about going to another place? And immediately, Danang, this city came into mind. Me and my wife had talked prior. We were willing to stay in Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, we had our time was almost up. Our commitment to to the mission field, and we really have a heart for the Vietnamese people. We uh, we didn't give it the best effort because again we were locked down for those 22 months, and so we didn't want to to stop. Although we would have, under a direction of headship, returned home. But Pastor says, uh, "Let's let's let's. What do you think of going to another city, making a change?" And so we came here. And it's been very, very successful. You got to understand something about Vietnam. It's a communist nation. It's not, we can't outreach. We can't have street preaching. We can't do outdoor movies and outdoor concerts. And so our main bread and butter, the main means of outreaching is an English club. And so we are doing English club on Tuesday nights and Saturday nights, and uh, we're offering free English and, uh, just gathering people and that's proven really really successful here uh we're seeing an average of 25 to 30 folks come to almost every event we do movie night uh we had movie night 44 people came out we do talent show uh no talent talent show we had people come out over 33 people we do game night just all these events to get people to come to the building and uh and, and it's proven quite successful. It really has. And so now we're gearing up. We're going to begin our our our, our Sunday our Bible studies on Sundays. And uh, when you offer somebody something for free, they're skeptical. Because mm -hmm. if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And so truly, we're giving them a, a, a free English club, a free English lesson. And uh, so they're coming and... They're, they're waiting for the hammer. They're waiting for the boom. They're waiting for the, 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 the wool to be. Yeah, what's the catch? What's the catch and stuff. And so from that, we're just building the relationships with folks and uh, introducing them to the gospel. And so it's amazing because we do our English. We open the English club just like we would a church service. You know how we do it. We, uh, we stand, we sing a song, we open in prayer, we shake hands, we give the announcement. And right when we're about to preach is when I give the English lesson. And so I am. I'm, I'm not an English teacher, but uh, I'm pulling stuff offline. I'm, uh, after a few years of this, you develop a good knack. When we went to uh, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City first, I went to everyone else's English club and, and I stole all the best ideas and incorporated a great lesson plan. That's what you got to so do. We, 
we go through it and when we get to the ending point we do a rewrite and repeat and what they're doing is they're writing a scripture and so whatever the topic is whatever the theme is throughout the english uh, lesson uh they're writing a scripture about that and then at the end i'm giving life tips and i'm asking penetrating questions uh what happens when you die uh where did we come from why were you born just whatever the topic is lying forgiveness whatever it is and uh and and closing it out and we're seeing people's uh they're, they're, it's triggering a hunger because the, the word of God does not return void. It will accomplish what God set it out to do. And little do these folks know, man, they're repeating, rewriting and repeating scriptures uh, at, at every service. And uh, so now that's what we're doing. We're, and we're gearing up uh, many mistakes in Saigon. When we first went to Ho Chi Minh City, we, we three services right off the top. We took over a building lease from Pastor Ken Mata. He's a Filipino pastor fellowship that uh that had that building he went back home to philippines and uh, we took over the lease so dominion was already established the the noise in the neighborhood was uh, the traffic in the pile of motorbikes that people would drive to the place so traffic dominion noise was all established so we just hit the ground running with that we did three services a week and 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 again uh this culture they're they're skeptical it's free what so if i tell them Jesus loves them and he has a plan for their life and he died on the cross and arose from the dead and has a plan for them. You see smoke coming out of their ears, man. Yeah, too much too and soon. They run, they run away. But if I don't say nothing, they'll never hear the truth. And so there's a fine balance. And so down there in Saigon, uh, we put it in drive and put our foot on the gas and just plowed forward. Uh, here, uh, uh, gloves i got mittens on uh, strategically placing uh events and and timing and so we're stepping into a a, a, a new new chapter a, a fresh season and i'm excited to see what god's going to do check with me in six months and i'll tell you i'll give you a man report well that sounds really exciting so our audience is already going to be sort of clued in because uh last week we had uh, Pastor Eric Barrientes um, on the podcast, and so he gave us kind of a, a, a Vietnam 101 uh, primer course on uh, on what life is like over there. So, um, but uh, it, is the church um, that he is in that he's pioneering was that somewhere close to where you were? Uh, no, actually, um, it's so congested in Saigon. If 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 if, if you to go straight to there with no traffic it take you 15 20 minutes but because the congestion and the traffic and the volume of people it take you 50 minutes uh hour and a half in, in 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 heavy traffic just to get there and so everything's relatively close on a map but it takes you forever to get there mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah he wow. was on the other side Okay. Well, praise God. So uh, besides uh, him and you, uh, how many other workers do we have there in Vietnam? There's nine. There was, uh, there's nine down in Saigon and there's three up in Hanoi. And so that's north is Hanoi, south is Saigon. And now um, Pastor Ruby sent another worker, Gabriel Martinez. He should be arriving here in July in Da Nang. And so he was here recently. We, uh, we shook hands and uh, introduced and uh, showed him around just a little bit. And um, so he's coming. So there's going to be that many here. 
Okay. And uh, yeah, before we get into the meat of the podcast, I'm just wondering um, what, how do you find the, um, the spiritual reception of the people there? Like, uh, what, what is it like? And what does it take to see somebody get converted? That's a good question. And so the spiritual tenor or tone that we're seeing is, is, is there, the older generation has the ancestral worship. They're, they're, they claim to be Buddhist. But it's like a Catholic in America. You know, you're born Catholic, your family's Catholic, but you're not a practicing Catholic. And you're seeing that here. And so that's a lot in the older generation. The newer generation, the younger folks, you know, they've just recently graduated from college uh, or beginning their own families. Uh, um, they're, they're, uh, they, I wouldn't say atheist, but they're non-believing. They're, it's a money-driven culture that's where, you know, uh, to gain, uh, to, to be able to live, to earn, to be able to live. And so, um, there's really not a spiritual tone per se. Now, every year is the Chinese uh, Lunar uh, New Year, and they all go home, uh, and that's where they get get um, a, a, an injection of ancestral worship of culture and stuff. And so then they'll pray, they'll read, uh, light the incense, and they'll they'll have the the ceremony with their family. But by and large, uh, there's it's really not religious per se um unless you want to count communism as a religion which you it may, may very well be uh there i don't know there's a definite belief system in it oh for sure there's a worldview connected um I, i'm curious about the um about the nation is it is it uh connected to the chinese culture you know it it really is uh, dress, culture, dance, the dragon, the, all these different things. Um, they try to be unique. Uh, you know, the language is definitely different. Uh, but but yeah, there is a heavy influence of, of China. I I believe there is, and yeah, especially concerning Buddhism. Okay. Yep. And um and so Pastor Eric was telling us last week um about the language that they've been they've been doing their best to learn the language. Uh, how about you? Have you been uh, making some strides there? When I first moved to Saigon, uh, I had a, a tutor, and the problem was is the tutor she was a, a younger woman. She was in one of the she was in Pastor Ken Mata's church. Her Annie, lovely lady, love her to death, man. Uh, but her her voice was real high and so every time she would say a word uh, uh, uh no say no uh, come 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 and so i'm trying to repeat it in her tone but but you can hear my voice is definitely deeper and i couldn't uh if you know anything about the language it's tonal you know eh, 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 you know and if you don't do the tone right, you're probably saying a bad word or something different, you know. <laughs> and so I uh, I tried to follow her tone. And finally, I just gave up. I said, uh, I started having her translate songs for me and documents. We were going through uh, visa processes and different things. She was, uh, uh, I, I do rap music. She, she translated all my gangster rap into Vietnamese. We made slides so I can display the words while I'm rapping and stuff. So I put her to work, but uh, I quit trying to learn because uh the that tone was too difficult for me now mind you if i were to have a man try to teach me and uh, uh in my own voice try to learn i can i can probably do better but 
what I saw in Saigon is there was a lot of English speaking people. Uh, before we came, there was a big campaign, a big push for the people to learn English. They would say, English is your future. There'd be billboards and uh, English is this and English is that. So everyone wants to learn English. They want to learn American English. They, uh, yeah, British English, UK English, but uh, uh, Australian English, they, they, you know, there's just the different accents. And so in Saigon, there was a lot of English speaking people. And so I was fine that if I go to the restaurant, I was able to order or use Google Translate. If I was going to here or there, lots of English, uh, the interpreters, the translators, the, the other churches that were established, English workers and stuff. Now we moved here to Da Nang and I'm seeing the same thing in the city center. Once you leave the city center, it's Vietnamese, bro. And you have to use Google Translate. You cannot communicate um, at yeah. all. Uh, from English, in English. So when people come to your English class, they're getting the Mexican English. That's like they're the best one. The, the Chicanoese accent, man. They're getting a <laughs> Cheech and Chong accent. I don't know what they're getting. Uh, and, and, you know, it's vexing because I'm not here to be an English teacher. Uh, but, uh, bro, I tell you, you got to plant the seed and you got to let it grow. And if you, if you, if you if you inject too much too soon, it dies, man. We've seen so many people run, uh, just cower away because uh, one, oh, it's a religion. Oh, they're Christian, and you know, even opening our English club with the song, um, "This is the day of the Lord." We sing that song, and then we sing it in Vietnamese. We, and I tell them, if you can sing it, you can speak it. You know, Ozzy Osbourne has the worst accent in the world, but yet he can sing these songs that we all rock to. You know, uh, and I tell <laughs> them, if you can sing it, you can speak it. So we, that's the excuse. And then we open in prayer, and it's uh, you bow your heads and close your eyes, and they're not bowing their heads, closing their eyes. I am and uh it, it's 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 one step forward two step backwards and we're 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 uh it's vexing because i'm not here to teach english i, I want i want to see disciples i want right. to and workers out you know i want to I want to take the land but man it's a process yeah yeah well that's something definitely that our audience can be praying for is uh is you you have it seems like you have a good open door with uh, being able to attract people with the English classes, but to be able to to get your foot in the door and uh, preach the gospel to them to see conversions. That's that's really the that's the key, right? That's the key. Conversions, baptism, Holy Spirit filled discipleship, man. That's Amen. Great. Well, we want to learn a little bit about you and uh, who is this guy that found himself in the nation of Vietnam? And why don't you um, uh, start at the beginning? What was uh, what was life like for little TJ Horta uh, growing up? And what was your family life like? Yeah. Well, I come from a large family. There's four brothers and three sisters. Uh, we lived in a small two-bedroom house up on Pinal Street in Globe, Arizona. And uh, didn't have a lot, didn't have a lot, uh, didn't have a lot. Uh, times were hard. Uh, I remember, uh, I remember just uh, uh, not me personally struggling, but in comparison to the friends that we had and the people that were around us, we, I, I knew we didn't have a lot. And uh, so, so that was then uh very early in age uh at the age of 11 uh, that's when life turned for the worse you know 
but uh, go ahead and hear that. Well, what happened? You, you left us on a cliffhanger. What happened when you were 11? Uh, just started smoking weed, man. Started drinking alcohol. We would have family gatherings. Uh, you know, the, the ice chest was over there. We'd meet my cousin or I myself, go sneak the alcohol, start drinking. So I was drinking at an early age. Uh, my brothers were older. And so, uh, you know, weed was around and stuff. This was before weed was legal. And, uh, you know, uh, do this. And they'd give me some or I would try to take it from them or find the leftover roaches and smoke it. And, uh, and, and it was also all around, you know, in the town and stuff. Started smoking weed, drinking, and, uh, and fighting, man. I was a violent young man. And uh, to, for the audience to know, you're looking at a you're looking at a man that should be dead or in prison because from the age of 11, my life was wild, man, wild. At the age of 13, they sentenced me to Adobe Mountain Juvenile Institution, and I remember the judge looking down from his bench and says, "I'm personally writing a letter to the Department of Corrections to keep you to the age of 18." And so I was only 13 and, you know, I, it didn't matter. And so uh, I tell you what, people uh, be careful for people who have an attitude where they don't care because they're dangerous. And I was very dangerous. Was Man, very dangerous. Well, where do you think that attitude came from in you? Uh, it wasn't video games. You know, some people play video games and blame their aggression on that. It, you know, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know where that aggression came from, but but as a as a young man, I, I would get in a fist fight weekly in school on the streets. I mean, the average person hasn't gotten a fist fight in their whole life, but I would fight every week when I was young. And what was what was funny is because I would fight and assault people so much. Um, when they got older, but they got 16 and 18, they had a, a, a chip on their shoulder with me. They wanted to prove it. So not only did I have to fight them when I was young, I, I would fight them when I was older, you know. I, I, <laughs> the comeback tour. Once, more than once, I had to, you did this to me and I'm going to get you. And, and next thing you know, we're throwing down, man. And uh, I remember in fifth grade, uh, a man walked up to me, or a kid walked up to me. We were the same age. And um, and I had my hands down, and he hit me. He hit me right here in the nose. And what it did is it blackened both my eyes. And uh, I was always under the insinuation or understanding that if you hit first, you're the one that's going to be in trouble because you started it. And so I, I, I didn't want to hit first. I knew something was going to happen. But this guy just walked up and wailed on me, blacking my eyes and stuff. Uh, and I said, from that day forward, something triggered in my mind. And uh, how old is uh, fifth grade? But what, 11? 11 yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's something triggered in my mind. Uh, I will never allow someone to hit me first. I'm going to be the aggressor. And so as soon as as soon as uh, Adam gave me lip, whack, I'm hitting him, just just cracking him. I'm grabbing his face. I'm grabbing his neck. And uh, and I, and I uh, it, it very violent, very violent. I turned into a thief. I turned into a, a pervert. I turned into just a lot of wickedness at a very, very young age. Mm. You know, there, there's some people that you're really glad that they got saved. Yeah. It sounds like you're one of those. Um, yeah. So, well, another interesting part of the story is Globe, Arizona. 
believe it or not. So uh, most people in the world have never heard of a place called Globe, Arizona. Um, it's a small town, man. Very small town. Can you uh, can you maybe share why or what what kind of influence this uh, this little little town had on you? Uh, that's where all my family is from. That's where all my wife's family is from. And so Globe, Arizona, small town, 90 miles straight east of Phoenix, up in the high desert in the mountains, it's a population of 14,000 people. If you count the whole Globe, Miami uh, metro area, uh, but uh, small town. And so, hey, you know, we don't pick our family. We don't pick what, what, what race we are. We don't pick where we were born and stuff. And that's that's where we that's where I'm from. Um, mm -hmm. Again, all my wife's family is from there. All of my family's from there. Is it small enough where everybody knows what everybody's problems are? Yeah, it's 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 small enough to know that the cousin, everyone's my cousin. Everyone that's my cousin. <laughs> you know, everyone's uh, uh, it's it's they're related and stuff. Small town, you know, it is a small town. People know each other. You you know what everyone else drives. Hey, uh, he drives that red truck. Hey, he drives that blue car. Yeah, hey, that's Billy. Yeah, that's Adam. You know, whatever. So yeah, just like just like everybody else, you know, the, the, there are certain advantages to small towns, but then there's a lot of disadvantages too. But yeah. um, I can imagine once you kind of get the reputation as the bad kid, then uh, then that precedes you wherever you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. It uh, it does. It's hard to uh, once you put that jacket on. It's hard to take it off. Yeah. So, uh, how did your parents hand, handle this in your family? My dad was a hands off issue. He would go to court. I mean, bro, I've been arrested. I've been arrested over twenty times, man. One time, uh, I was up in Globe, and uh, we were looking at this old car lot and had a bunch of old cars lady thought I was, I was already a Christian. She thought I took a part out of this because I'm driving a 57 truck, 57 GMC. And so I, I pull into the uh, uh, laundromat and next, you know, a bunch of sheriffs pull in and the lady pulls in and yeah, he stole this from my car lot. She pulled out my tire, <laughs> my tire, um, spare tire rack. And, and she, this is from a 64 Impala, she says. And so I looked at the cop and I grabbed it from her hand and I walked to my wheel well. And the, the space where this tire rack hung was painted uh, over, but it had the shadow underneath it. And I put it right up to the shadow. And I looked at the <laughs> cop and I said, 64 Impala, huh? And the cop was like, we're going to arrest you. And I said, you think I'm afraid to be arrested? I said, that means nothing <laughs> to me, man. Said, so uh, I even forgot your question, but uh, it, it, that was a wild story. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, the question was, how, how did your family handle this? And, and my, you know, as you were growing up? Many times, been to court many times. My dad would go to court, but he was ha uh, hands off issues and stuff. Uh, my mom uh, broke her heart, man. You can only imagine what your... Uh, you know, mother seen her son, you know, just totally incorrigible. I would, they would give me, I was on intensive probation and they would give me urines every, they would give me a, a urine test Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I didn't care. I, I was still getting high. I was still drinking. I was still doing anything I can get my hands on uh, and dropping dirty. Just uh, so my my mom uh, can only imagine what the hell I put her through because just incorrigible uncontrollable and again an attitude that did not care and so 
they were supportive. Uh, they went to visit me in jail. Um, they tried what they they tried to do what they could do, but you know, it gets to a point where you know your children make their own decisions, and all you can do sometimes is stand back and watch. Yeah, yeah. What was you said you were uh, one of four brothers? Did did any yeah. of them also get in trouble, or were you were kind of the worst of the pack? I was uh, my dad. My dad. Uh, I was the worst of the pack. They 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 would get in trouble. They'd get in fights, the drugs, alcohol, party scene. Uh, you know, different things, but not not the level of trouble I was getting into. And I remember after I got saved, my dad, uh, he, he, son, I'm proud of you. And uh, after years of testimony, he said that, but uh, he said, you were so wild and living life so fast. He said, I thought I was going to bury you by the age of 21 years old. And mm. to hear your father say that, it's like, you know, okay. And that's when a, a thought came to my mind. And I smiled and I said, Dad, I did die before I turned 21 because I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 20. And I said, I'm no, it's not me that's alive. The old man is dead. The new life I have is in Christ. I said, I did die before mm. 21. Amen. And, uh, it's just a wild branch, bro. Oh, like the, uh, uh, the scripture says, you know, he, he grafted that wild branch into the, into the good branch, the olive branch. And, and now we're, now we, now we have good fruit. You see, my son, uh, because of the blood of Jesus, the curse is broken. My son uh, was just ordained. He's going to be going out to pastor. A church oh, here praise soon. God. Uh, he, this last Bible conference out of Prescott, uh, they laid hands on him. He's a pastor now, and uh, he uh, has his son. And uh, and I, it just that, 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 that curve of sin is broken by the blood of Jesus. Oh, what a, what a, what a relief, man. But uh, I'm sure w not without its struggles. Um, so the judge wanted you to be in juvie till 18. Did that did that work out? No, no, because uh, I didn't have a, a robbery crime or some felony. They could only send me away for three months. So I got out, went back, got out, went back. I'm just a just a yo-yo man of uh, of incarceration. So uh, what was, what did it take to break you out of that yo-yo cycle? Well, my wife, uh, her testimony is amazing, but uh, her, her dad got saved during the Jesus people um, movement. And so revival was happening all around the United States, all around the world, but in America, namely hippies getting saved. And so her dad got, uh, he, her dad was in the Vietnam war uh, went back home and uh, Ed Kuhneman, this uh, good man, uh, he had a book ministry. He would go from house to house with books and he would, you know, they're Christian books. And so he would always go and visit her dad. Well, he gets saved and uh, quits uh, all the domestic violence, quits drinking alcohol. He got saved, man. And so uh her dad and mom uh in church for about two years ended up divorcing he stayed in the church mom didn't and so christina went with her mom and dad stayed in the church but they've all you know once her dad they've always had the relationship um yeah, fast forward years down the road you know uh we have me and me and christina we have a son we have our, our uh, you know little tj and uh Bro, man, you're talking about graduating from younger, uh, smaller crimes to 
just a full-fledged criminal, man. I was somebody you did not want in your house. I was somebody, I, 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 I was a cancer. I was a, just a wicked, wicked man. And, um, and I'm surprised Christina stuck with me, but she did. She ended up, uh, she wanted to dedicate my son, you know, as we do in our churches. We, we don't do water baptism for infants. We, you dedicate them to the Lord. She wanted me to go with her, and I, I wouldn't go with her. You know, that was, that was the old four-square church. That was a crazy, that was a hallelujah, as the rolling on the grounds church. You know, I'm Catholic. I don't need religion, you know. And, but the whole time, man, I was smoking crack, doing crank messed out of my mind staying up for three days stealing stealing just a thief man uh violent bro i would i would walk around with a 12 gauge shotgun in my back pocket i cut the barrel off and it was about this long you had to hold the top otherwise it'd kick back and hit you in the head and i taped three bullets on it i would walk around with that i was so paranoid i would i would uh i would uh, take a shower and I put my towel I'm going to dry myself with a pistol inside uh, just waiting waiting to go off man waiting to waiting for something to happen to react violently so anyhow she she she's there she's uh she says I'm how, how old were you when you met her uh sheesh what's funny is when I was in seventh grade uh and she was in ninth grade we actually dated and so so pretty young in life and okay. uh, then we broke up and then uh in while I was in jail we started writing letters and you know I promised her the moon the stars and uh, how many hills I'd climb and how many oceans I'd swim for her and so dreamy out of, jail, out of the age of 16 uh, then about about 16 is when we when we really hooked up okay I had my yeah. son my son was born when I was 17 years old ooh 17 uh, yeah yeah he was born in October and, and in December I turned 18 so I'm just a kid babies making babies and so she uh she says I'm going back to church and uh I'm going I'm going back to the to church because uh, her dad stayed saved the whole time her dad's been a Christian 40 45 years man and so, so she she had had some exposure to the fellowship church there in globe yeah yeah definitely her dad got saved in the fellowship church uh i believe hank houghton was in there and uh wow now uh so he's been saved the whole time he's been saved the whole time and uh, and did, did you you mentioned also that you had at least known about the church uh there, there's some oh, reputation yeah. in the town huh yeah, but it's a small town, man. And so we'd be downstairs or downtown uh, drinking and smoking and flirting and doing whatever we wanted to do. And uh, they'd be street preaching, you know, you're going to hell. And I tell them, you go to hell, you know, and we just, <laughs> that four square church, man, they, uh, yeah, they're well known. And, and uh, it was four square, but it's not four square no more. They're well known. And um, she's, that's what she says. I'm going back to church. And so she says you want to come with me one night and i said mm, yeah. i think we we're fighting so i promised yeah 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 i'll go with you but i didn't go you know and then another time you, you're gonna come with me yeah so do a line of meth go to church you know you want to come another time you want to come with me you know and uh, smoke a joint and go to church you know and just just sitting there messed up they'd come up to me hey you want to get your heart right with god no nah, I'm, I'm a catholic don't need god you know I, I'm, I, I'm all right i'm all right all right so I went about four, maybe five times with her uh, on different, you know, over a span of a month and a half, maybe. And know? this was kind of like just to make her happy. 
this, yeah, I kind of kind of to keep the peace, you know, because, bro, I was blowing the money. I was buying drugs. I'd show up. I'd show up at the house, man, with closets full of stolen clothes and televisions and microwaves and guns and just uh, dump it on the thing, you know, and uh, on the living room floor. Yeah, being just a, just a bad thief. Show up at the house with the stolen trucks. Show up at the house with a stolen car, man. Uh, just uh she saw this and so it's just yeah to maintain some peace to suffice mm -hmm. to uh to keep and again you know hey you want to come yeah 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 and then i wouldn't go so right. oh, about a period of month and a half maybe two months maybe went about four or five times um and then uh one so what night, finally man, broke she, through she was at she, we were working at the same restaurant and so she was a waitress i was a dishwasher man we got paid on that friday uh i i took the money man i bought i bought all kinds of coke and meth man and just stayed up all friday night all saturday uh saturday man the money was gone the bills were due i had heard the truth that jesus can change me and i couldn't change myself man uh the religion couldn't change me. I mean, I was a Catholic every Lent. I'd say, I'm going to quit this. And I'm going to quit that. I'm going to start this. And I'm going to start that. But only to do the same thing I said I wasn't going to do the same night. You know? Well, I, I'm kind of I'm me. kind of interested in that, that at least that there was some kind of understanding or conviction over your sin, you know, that, that you realized that it was taking you the wrong direction, right? Well, that was the thing is, 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 is that's the message that I heard that God can, God can forgive me and I don't have to go to hell. I didn't get saved, not necessarily for a changed life. What really got under my skin, what really convicted me, what really uh, made me think was I'm going to hell, man. Mm. I, I'm going to hell and I deserve hell. I knew I deserved it. I knew I was not right with God. And from what they're saying is, is, if you're not right with God, you're going to hell. If your sin's not covered by the blood of Jesus, you're going to hell. So anyhow, that that uh, that uh, weekend, uh, spent all the money on drugs, got high, stayed up, man. I was just fried, bro, fried. And so I remember going into the, uh, we were at work, you know, and I remember going into the bathroom and I had the resin, I had a pipe, a glass pipe, and I pushed the Brillo through and I pushed it through to get a resin hit. And I, and I hit it and my heart was pounding my, I can almost feel my hair not falling out, but on ends. And uh, I put my arms to the side and I, and I just said, that's it, man. I can't do this no more. I'm killing myself. I'm killing myself. So I got up and I go out and I tell Christina, I says, uh, you know, I want, I want to, I want to get my heart right with God. And so she's a waitress. She's going through the swinging doors in and out. She's taking drinks and taking food and coming in and out. And uh, so I stopped her at one of those passes. And I, yeah, I want, I, I want to get my heart right. Pray with me. And she says, I, would, I don't, what'd she say? Uh, I don't care if you die, cross, the, if you cross the street, get hit by a car, die and go to hell. She told me because it was a bad thing. So she did a few more passes. I'm trying to wash dishes. She's doing her job. Finally, she pops her head through the double doors and says, if you're serious, you'll go to church tonight and get your heart right with God. And it was a Sunday night. Again, I said, not, not a lot of Sunday. compassion there, huh? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> 
She did, because when she popped through those doors, she says, if you're really serious, you'll go to church tonight and give your heart to God. And so I determined then that's what I was going to do. So I go to church that Sunday night, uh, didn't know what he preached about, wasn't listening and stuff. All I knew is I needed to get my heart right with God. And when the, at the end, you know, I had, you know, saw the routine, saw uh, the flow. And I knew at the end they were going to offer a chance for me to get my heart right with God. And now I know all the terms salvation and altar calls and all that. But then I knew they were going to allow me to pray and get my heart right with God. So I so I did. I lifted my hand and I went forward. Her dad prayed with me. I'm, I'm, I'm a byproduct of her daddy's fruit, man. And he, wow. he's a good man. Wow. And so I get up from the, the altar and it was like a, a light turned on, bro. A switch happened in my, I felt clean, man. I felt mm. washed. I felt, I felt right with God, man. And so the assistant pastor, his name's his name was Bob Hernandez. He comes to me and, you know, they're, they were watching me, man. They, they know her dad. They know her, this girl. She's <laughs> like, ladies, keep your purses close. <laughs> bro, they, they, yeah, they, 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 they know, they know this family. Again, it's a small town and they, they, they see me get saved, man. And so he says, is there anything you need? And I looked at the pastor, it was Bob Hernandez, at, uh, Bob uh, Burris at the time. I point, I said, I want to talk to him. And he says, okay, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll talk to him and we'll get an arrangement. I said, okay. So I remember going and I remember walking out the back of the church, walking down the steps because uh, it globes on a different level. Uh, it got the steps that go down to the street, the church, the back of the church. And so I remember walking down and it's that smell right before it rains. The wind was blowing and I can see the break in the sky and just that smell. And I remember God, I mean, immediately began to re reveal himself to me. And I realized as soon as I had that smell, saw, felt the wind and, and saw uh, that God made creation. He says, I made all of this. Wow. I made, I made you also. Mm. And I was amazed, you know, because it's like, it's revelation when you don't understand something. And then you finally understand. It's like, uh just revelation man. Mm. God showed himself to me then so I'm walking down the stairs and I'm walking across the street gonna get in the car and then the assistant pastor Bob Hernandez he's yelling he didn't know my name hey, brother 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 and finally I, I'm turning around he's talking to me and he's coming towards me you know hurriedly and I stopped to meet him and Hey, brother, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, he, something, I forgot the, uh, the schedule he wanted to meet the pastor with me. Uh, he had arranged for me to meet the past, uh, the pastor with, and um, again, uh, just two revelations right off the top. One, God made everything and God made me. And two is I, I'm now a brother. I'm now a brother. I'm, you I'm figured that out. Family. Well, God showed it to me, bro. Mm. I didn't figure it out. It was a revelation that God really impressed on me that that even to this hour, uh, I'm telling you this is it's real, man, that, that I was placed in the family of God. And I, now I, I'm a brother in Christ and, and, and God, God said, this is my body. This is my family. And wow. Like, Whoa. You know. <laughs> Uh, again, a light switch, man, just from night to day. And that's what I've been praying for here in, in Vietnam. I've not seen those types of conversions, bro. Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing here is, is, is 
okay, come to English club. Okay, here, my name's TJ. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, trust what I'm saying. Trust me so you will trust what I'm saying. Right. And just building a relationship. It's it, it's taking a lot, lot longer for the seed to grow. And and I'm praying for these genuine conversions, but uh, but they are far, far and few between. Mm. So I don't know. Uh, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> Well, yeah, the, God's got them waiting for you. But um, there you go. I agree with that. Uh, the the uh, the question I had for you was: uh, you you were how old when you had this radical revelation? Twenty years old. Twenty years old, and the year was, was? nineteen ninety three. This is going to be the thirtieth year I've been a Christian. Been wow, for twenty two years. Okay, man. That's four years. Four years under Bob Burris, and uh, four years under Pastor John Gooding. Unbelievable. Wow. That's amazing. So, um, so I imagine this had, uh, uh, an effect on your relationship with Christina also. Yeah. The the funny thing is, is we got married in August 7th, August 6th, August 7th, uh, 93. And you better remember that. I got saved September 13th in 93. So yeah, I don't know why she married me. But she did, and uh, so a month after I got married, I actually got saved. You should see my wedding picture, man. I got a scratch across my forehead, all the way across my eyelid, uh, because I got in a fist fight the night before I got <laughs> wet married. And, uh, I was hitting oh, the guy man. in the head with a rock, bah, bah, trying to kill him. Man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you were you were quite a catch. We were something else, man. <laughs> But uh, God used it somehow, man. I, I, what I tell guys is that there, there's nothing in this world that can change you more quickly than a good woman, and it sounds like her influence is really what what uh, brought you to the the cross. If she would have given up on me, walked out, I, I probably would not have responded to the gospel. Mm. Uh, so again, I'd be dead or in prison. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. As a matter of fact, all my friends, all the dogs I ran with, they've all been in prison or are in prison, have multiple baby mamas and multiple kids from uh, from from many uh, relationships. And uh, well, isn't that out of all of them, the blood of Jesus is? Isn't that a revelation in its own? Is just to you know to see the the companions that you had at that time. It's like looking into uh into a. I don't know, into a time machine and, you know, what your life could have been if things didn't change. No doubt. No doubt. Mm -hmm. Proof is in the pudding, man. Wow. So you had these immediate revelations that God gave to you. And, um, and what was your new convert journey? Like it was a, it was a, it was a a rocket, uh, but not, not, not the kind of rocket that goes up and explodes, but a rocket that's continuing a trajectory now for 30 years. Wow. I took off, man. And so uh, the the immediately began reading the Bible. Okay. Um, began to read and read and read. And many of the convictions and uh, learnings that I had very early are the same teachings and learnings that I'm sharing today. Just concrete based on from the word of God uh, began to um, just read. Uh, There's one brother. Uh, he, hey, you wanna you wanna go um, 
this this is my mentality. Yeah, you want to come to to prayer in the morning? I didn't have nothing else going on and didn't know what it was and wanted to be courteous. So I said, yeah. So we went there. He gave me a Bible, not to take home, but he said, here, here's a Bible. If you run out of things to talk to God about, just go ahead and begin to read. And that's that that began that journey. That was the the, the next day. Wow. No, no, that was about the that was after about the third day. They they offered me that. And this guy tried to befriend me, and he did. He did befriend me, and uh, he t- he knew I liked guns. He knew I was wild. I mean, I my guns got guns, man. I got guns galore <laughs> back home, and um, you know he knew that uh, I liked that, and so he uh, yeah, you want to go target practicing? <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, this is just a, re- a renewed mind and plucked from the flames of hell he's walking in front of me man and i thought of shooting him i really thought of shooting him taking his <laughs> guns but i knew his wife knew that he was with me so i didn't do it because i would have gotten caught <laughs> oh my goodness my heart was right but yeah. my mind needed yeah. transformation I not quite there yet <laughs> they said you've been brainwashed i needed to be brainwashed yeah <laughs> and, um, i got blood washed and uh, so, so, so that's what happened. Uh, just, just took off like a, like a rocket on a long journey and that yeah. journey lasts to today. When you think about that time, can you identify some of the, um, some of the things that you learned that have carried you all these 30 years now? Uh, you know, uh, one, one is definitely, uh, evangelism. Okay telling others what god has done in me okay that stuck in me um i remember uh you know just reading and learning and filling my mind with the word of god and asking many questions you know i couldn't i couldn't believe that uh that that mary was a virgin you know that she was betrothed (laughs) to jesus or to joseph you know because it, it just being corrected by the word of god uh Joe's wife, her name's Tony. Tony over, uh, man, she has the patience of a of a of a of a of a of, a, of an angel, man. Because <laughs> I I had crazy questions and just reading. Uh, so definitely evangelism stands out. The cleanliness, holiness, doing what is right, uh, uh, tithing. Mm. Tithing became an instant a conviction. I remember, you know, just uh, if. I, I determined very early that if the word of God says it, I'm I'm going to choose to believe it. Even if I don't understand it, they're preaching it. You know, uh, what's the word? Uh, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. Right. To us, it is the power. And, and, and I'm hearing these sermons and I'm reading the Bible and I'm comparing that. And just uh, just all that preaching, all those lessons, definitely tithing, evangelism. Uh, I got called by God. We... Uh, Soon after I got saved, we sent uh, two churches out, the assistant pastor, Bob Hernandez, to Santa Rosa, California, and uh, the door director, you know, he's involved with planning everything in our church, uh, more or less, outreaches and concerts. Uh, we sent him, Ron Lahan, to Dover, Delaware. Hey! And so, so God, God, uh, you know, these are men that, I, that, that, that were very involved in the church, and as leaders, you see them constantly. And so, uh, you know, that, that gained an influence on me, you know, I'm an alpha male. I'm not a soft, a soft man. I, 
don't uh, don't wear pink and <laughs> but uh seeing these men uh go out uh you know god says and i'm going to send you out also mm. I'm, I'm calling you and so you got a vision for that early huh uh, uh, uh calling by god man just as just as 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 real as the revelation that god created everything and made created me and just as real as i've been placed in the family of christ god god uh and it wasn't a voice you know i'm skeptical of people you know they oh god spoke to me and god spoke to me well you okay you know i've been saved 30 years and god's not spoken to me as much as he's spoken to you and mm, you know right. and preachers that say that you know I, uh, maybe you should change your verbiage you know god <laughs> showed me or i was reading in the word and god imprinted on me and, and god was dealing with me about but you sound like a whack job saying god spoke to me god spoke to me god <laughs> spoke to me god spoke to me right so right I quit, right I, I don't say that okay okay that that's there's probably wisdom there uh can you describe also what what was god doing in the globe church at the time that you got saved 93 you know that that jesus people movement uh you, you hear about this revival pastor wayman pastor uh campbell all the you know they got saved in this her dad got yep. saved in this so i've not seen that but what I had definitely seen was these conversions. There's a, a, a guy I used to run with in the street named Ephraim Iorga. He got saved right before me. And so he's in there. And, and, and you know, this guy would have long flowing hair, man, like Rapunzel. <laughs> and he would turn the Metallica music up loud and lift weights, man. We, uh, we, we try to score off each other drugs and different things. And so Ephraim, uh, he gets saved, man. And so uh, I, they, uh, Bob Hernandez, the assistant pastor, started a new converts class. And so he, there's these new converts coming in. And so uh, learning that. Uh, it wasn't this wave of revival is what I'm saying, like it was in the Jesus people movement, but this was an evangelical church. This was a church that had harvesters homecoming. Uh, this was a church that uh, directly under Prescott going to the Bible conference every six months. Uh, uh, and uh, seeing, seeing people get saved, reaching that small town, you know, uh, so you know, out of 14,000 people, you, you know, how many people uh, percentage wise, you know, can, can, can be reached, you know, I know God wants to reach them all, but, you know, many are on the path that lead to destruction narrows the, uh, on the road that leads to destruction narrows the path, you know, so you do that percentage, but we've seen, we're seeing that people are getting saved, people are being discipled, I mean, I, I remember, I can count on my, uh, above my hand numbers, uh, digits uh, of men that were in line to be launched, bro, mm. and so you had this, this disciple making machine there, and uh, it's really, that's, that's, uh, that was happening. It's really a great testimony to me, and I, I often uh, use the Globe Church in my preaching when I think about it because, you know, this is what an unlikely uh, city for for a church to be planting from. Like, it, but it's it's incredible the the testimony, and, and really, it's the same story of of Prescott back in the day mm -hmm. when Pastor Mitchell came, and it was more cows than people that lived there, and but <laughs> yeah. out of that is born you know, uh, a fellowship. And that, that's really the story of God doing big things, even in small places. And that that's, yeah. that's really encouraging for people. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's, um, I was gonna say that's part of part of your spiritual identity is, is where you came from. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt.
so it's uh it's good yeah it's amazing it's it's a great testimony and um so you know new convert phase and uh no doubt god dealing with a lot of things in you and working out the kinks and um so you you um you began the discipleship journey and getting like serious about about calling and uh what did that look like like what what were the things that god really had to deal with and work out of you to get to that place uh you know didn't know how to be a dad mm. didn't know how to be a husband didn't you know didn't even know how to be a, a christian you know and so that's where it really started uh uh just just going to church bro being in the house of god hearing the preaching being challenged reading praying uh and not and beating so, people up not yeah, there's a funny <laughs> story this one guy bro uh his name was uh he uh man we went round and round more than once man and i beat him up beat him up bad man uh ran into him at the Safeway at the local store there and oh, uh, this is after I became a Christian and uh he and I and I you know like you said what 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 change what discipleship process the preaching you know I'm hearing about forgiveness I'm hearing about mending the wrongs I'm hearing about doing what is right so I see this guy in the store and I put my hand out and I say hey, you know I'm sorry I'm sorry and uh he looked at me and uh, he he uh, looked down at my hand, and then he says, "You know, I I've, I've heard about you, and I've been watching." And he says, "And what you're doing?" Uh, he says, "I could see that I could see that you're sincere. I can see you've changed." And he put his hand out and shook shook my wow. hand. And uh, and so to answer your question, it, the discipleship, you know. Uh, it happened in the church, you know, um, my pastor didn't call me, uh, weekly to check on me. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I, I initiate a lot of the conversation, you know, even, even today, I'm the one calling pastor Gooding and I don't mind it. You know, some of these preachers get all bent out of shape because oh, my pastor doesn't call me. My pastor doesn't check on me. You know, well, uh, I didn't need that. Uh, the, the discipleship was in the church, man. I was hearing the preaching. I was I was reading the word. I was developing my own relationship with God, and uh, and that's where I grew. That's where I grew the most. You know, uh, some f folks think they have to hang out with the pastor every after every service and different things. Well, pastor has a life too, you know. But uh, I I wasn't discipled you know, one-on-one -on -one like that. I was discipled in the, in the, although, although there, there were times, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, but my main discipleship process was in the house of God, hearing the preaching in the revivals, uh, being challenged at the Bible conferences and rallies and stuff, you know, um, and, and uh, yeah, of course my pastor, intricate part of that. I'm not saying that, but, uh, mm -hmm. but some guys take it too far the opposite way. Oh, he never calls me. Okay. If my, why doesn't my pastor call me, you know, why don't you call him? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you're hitting on something which is really something that uh, about our fellowship, which is so unique. And that is that there is quality ministry that comes across the pulpits. 
you know, and even in uh, Globe, Arizona, with 14,000 people, that there is enough there to really build you up in the faith, right? And that's true of every pioneer church, man. And, you know, you every pioneer pastor has the revelation that's needed to to get you to that place if you'll just sit there and listen to it you know and and apply it in your life and uh you know that's kind of a a pastoral frustration is you know when people are going through stuff and it's like i just preached on that two weeks ago you know why don't you just go get the tape and listen to it you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So what's frustrating is an evangelist comes in and says the same thing you yeah. were preaching and they finally listen. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, it's good. But yeah, you're right that if somebody just has an ear to hear that you'll be surprised how the Holy Spirit will use your local pastor and, you know, the guy on the end of the pew there. If you just ask him a few good questions, you'll be surprised at what you get out of it. Yeah. The, the God has designed the church. Uh, everything is in the body uh, in the church to to uh, to equip us. Uh, what's it? Equipping of the saints uh, to, for the work to of ministry. Disciple us to 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 mold us uh, and to find our calling. You're not going to find your calling outside the body of Christ. Uh, you're going to only find your calling and will of God in the body of Christ in the church. And and that's uh, I'm convinced of that. That's that's where I I linked. You know, one time a guy got mad at me because my kids were running around the church. You know, we were there Saturday. Uh, we had 10 a.m. outreach. I was there in the morning for prayer. Uh, when I had coffee with Pastor, I had 10 o'clock outreach, uh, outreached, and then at three o'clock we had drama practice. And so I'm there at drama practice, and then uh, you know at six o'clock or seven o'clock we had prayer for the concert that night. So I'm there all day. My kids are there all day, and my kids are running around. You know, and uh, you know how could, do I expect them to to sit down? They weren't damaging nothing. They weren't being hellions, but uh, you know they're they're playing around. Hey, your kids shouldn't be running around the church. You know you, you ought to you ought to stop. And I says, bro, we've been here all day. What else are they supposed to do, man? Mm-hmm, right. So I I. I that said that to 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 make the point is 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 the house of God is where I was at when the doors were open I was there yep and that's yep. that that's that's wisdom for every new convert that would hear this and yeah. anybody who's uh serious about discipleship is yeah you, you ought to be there and you ought to be involved and find a place for for uh you know for you to have some expression also so yeah. um yeah go ahead no, no, just, just uh, you know, I lived for the devil uh, uh, quite strongly, and I don't even know that's the correct way to say it. And I said, you know what, if I can live for the devil like that, why can't I live for God like that? If I if I can dedicate my life, and, and it wasn't I dedicated my life to Satan, oh, it was it, the, 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 you could tell a tree by its fruit, my fruit was evil, man. Mm. Um and I live for the devil. I said, you know what? If I could live that radical and crazy for the devil, I could live like that for God too. And I did. I chose to live for God. Amen. Well, I still have some questions for you. I want to ask about your ministries that you took up in the church. I want to ask about how you decided to go and pioneer and then uh, your journey to Vietnam and uh, your family life. And I've got a few more questions about all of those things, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a pause real quick, and we're gonna okay. say goodbye to all of our free subscribers. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, make sure you uh, go hit that subscribe button. Uh, we are not taking any money for ourselves; everything is going for world evangelism. So Amen. why not uh, 
do uh to kill two birds with one stone as they say uh, you can listen to the rest of this uh this great interview and then uh, be a support to world evangelism uh, when you subscribe to the premium version of this podcast. Uh, but uh, even if you don't do that, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, Pastor Horta, thank you again for joining us. And uh, if, if you're a premium subscriber, we will be right back. <laughs>